Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for April 13th, oh, Friday the 13th, uh, 2018. We have a really big slate, 13 games for Friday. So there's going to be a lot of pitchers that are worth rostering, a lot of offenses that could go off, but we're just going to try to narrow it down to the ones that we really like and the ones that we really want to roster because you just can't have exposure to everybody on the slate. So Starting with the high-end pitchers, we have Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and Kenta Maeda, all priced 10000 plus. Of these guys, which one do you like, Matt? Well, to start, I don't think we can play this slate because it's Friday the 13th. I mean, there's no way that anyone gets lucky. We're just all going to lose. So I think we, we have to sit out. But assuming that we actually are going to play it, Garrett Cole is the top guy to pay up for. Um, he's been a lot better since he got to the Astros. He's throwing his fastball a little bit differently this year. Um, there are some interesting stats that Fangraphs had that I was looking at where his uh, his four-seamer is rising, or I guess fastballs don't literally rise unless you're a submariner, but it's uh, dropping at a lower rate. So the, heart, the uh, vertical movement is higher, and for whatever reason, that's creating more swing and misses. Generally, uh, the rising effect of a fastball gets guys to swing under it more, and Cole is generating that more this year for some reason. I mean, maybe it's in part due to the matchups he did uh, face the Padres, his last start, and then the one before that was against Texas, so two pretty easy matchups. But this is a good matchup, too. I mean, even last year's Garrett Cole, I think, is playable against this Rangers team. They don't have Elvis Andrews. He got hit by a pitch and got hurt. Uh, broken forearm, you said, or elbow. Um, so he's out. Cole's going to be popular, though. Like, even with 13 games, I think his ownership will be pretty high. So I want exposure to him, but I'm not quite sure how much of him I would use, even though it should be pretty easy to fit the offenses we like in with him. Yeah, something else that's notable about a 13-game slate, we really haven't had too many of them so far this season, but generally it's easier to fit in the high-priced pitchers because so many cheap plugs become available once lineups come out. Like, there's going to be a bunch of guys that end up starting or even guys towards the top of the lineup that end up being, like, in the mid 2000s to, or even like low 3000s, it just make it easy to do like a five man stack, three cheap plugs, and then two more expensive pitchers. So that usually becomes more viable of a strategy on a slate that's this large. I do agree with you, Garrett Cole, the best pitcher on the slate. He's obviously, as you said, been better this year. Also, he's just to me such a higher upside pick than Granky who I think isn't as good as Cole, and then Maeda, who has some pitch count concerns because Dodgers don't let starters go that deep into games. So Garrett Cole at 12100 I think, is the best guy from that price range. Uh, moving into the mid-tier range, I think that Eduardo Rodriguez at 8500 and Vince Velasquez are both solid plays at 7900 Velasquez has been not particular. Actually, I think they're really similar kind of pitchers at Velasquez and Eduardo Rodriguez, and they both have pretty easy matchups. Eduardo Rodriguez against... The Orioles, and he's at home. Then Vince Velasquez is on the road, except it's against the Rays, whose offense has just been abysmal this year. They uh, they just had a really weak offensive outing against James Shields, and that's as bad as a pitcher could get. So Eduardo Rodriguez and Velasquez, I think, are both pretty high-variance pitchers and make a lot of sense for GPP and that mid-price tier. What do you think of those guys? Yeah, I think they're both worth using. Um, I do think that Kenta Maeda is worth considering, though, Um Something you mentioned, yeah, there are more cheap plugs on larger slates like this than there are on smaller ones. So I think it is going to be viable to pay up for two expensive pitchers. Not in every lineup. I don't think I want of Kent, I don't want a lot of Kenta Maeda exposure, but he is someone that I think I would have 
at least a little bit where you can fit two expensive pitchers. Um, I do prefer Eduardo Rodriguez and Vince Velasquez, though. Probably side with Rodriguez of the two. Um, he has a much higher likelihood of getting the win bonus, and we'll get to the Red Sox offense, but he correlates there with the win bonus. Um, so he makes a lot of sense to have in Red Sox stacks. It's kind of hard to say. Like, I think Rodriguez will be more popular, but Velasquez has potentially just as much upside. So even though Rod- Rodriguez is a pretty high-variance pitcher, I think his floor is a lot higher than Vince Velasquez. They both get a lot of strikeouts, though, so I think they are both fine to use. And then there are some cheaper options that I think are pretty good ones, but I don't see us needing to go down to those cheaper guys too much. Um, so we can mention them, but there isn't really anyone else that I'm that interested in. Um, maybe one or two guys to take a flyer on, but is there anyone that you really have that much interest in targeting from the cheaper pitching options? No, I mean, like, I think that you could justify using uh, Andrew Heaney if he doesn't have a pitch count. I think you could justify using uh, Jake Faria at home against the Phillies cause just, just because he's so cheap. And he wasn't, like, a super highly regarded prospect, but he's at least somebody who's thought of as being somebody who belongs on a big league roster. And a 5,800 price tag is not indicative of somebody who belongs on a big league roster. That's... That's the type of price tag that we usually see on the guys like James Shields. Uh, so either of them, I think, are okay to roster. Uh, I think that there's more upside, and I'd prefer just sticking to Rodriguez, Velazquez, and Garrett Cole, which were the guys that you were looking at. Yeah, Heaney and Faria would be the two. I'd originally been looking at Tyson Ross a little, but I don't think the Giants are going to strike out that much again this year either, so don't have much interest in Ross. I think I do prefer Faria to Heaney. Um, I think we're looking at the wind blowing out again in Kansas City, and they probably should be better against lefties this year than they are against righties. Um, Some of their weaker hitters that play every day anyway, like Cuthbert and Orlando, those guys actually are okay hitters against left-handed pitching. Um, But the wind is blowing out to left field. We're seeing the total for this game go up a bunch already, and it's not just because the Angels' offense is good and Jason Hamill's bad. Those are certainly true things, but... Uh, I think the Royals could score some runs in this game, too. I, I Yeah, I, I don't really like Heaney that much. Um, I probably think he's safer than Faria, but I think Faria has more upside just if he pitches anything like he did in the first half of last year. Um, he it's, it's a decent matchup for him. Like, the Phillies' offense is okay. They get a little bit of a boost usually from their park factor in Philly, and uh, they're playing this game in Tampa, which is more of a pitcher's park. So... Faria over Heaney for me, but I definitely prefer just using Cole, Rodriguez, um, Velasquez, and even Maeda. Okay, so moving into the offenses now, there's one offense that I like way more than every other offense, and that is the Boston Red Sox at home against Chris Tillman. Uh, Every time Chris Tillman pitches, I stack against him, and it almost never fails. Tillman this year, 8.68 ERA, 6.37 FIP. He's striking out 2.89 hitters per nine innings. He's walking 7.71 hitters per nine innings. He is absolute dog shit. The Red Sox have a decent offense. They're not even that expensive, so it's not really that hard to do five-man Red Sox stacks with a combination of Rodriguez and Velazquez, maybe one of those guys with Cole if there's cheap enough plugs that are available. Like To me, the Red Sox are an all-in play. I think that there's a ton of upside for them. I think there's a ton of floor because Tillman almost never has good games. The Orioles don't have a particularly good bullpen. It's hard for me to justify stacking another offense. So what do you think of the Red Sox, and is there any other offense that you would consider stacking? 
Yeah, I think there are other offenses to use, but the Red Sox are so far and away the clear-cut number one choice. And this is actually the best kind of slate to use the chalky offense because even though the Red Sox should have the highest ownership by a lot because this matchup is really obvious against Chris Tillman, it's not going to be that high of an ownership number because we have 13 games. So, like, if they're the only team in double-digit percent ownership and their core players are, like, 15 to 20 percent, even 25 percent, it's pretty high, but it's not high enough where I wouldn't use them. Um, so I don't know if I'd be all in, but I think it's one of those situations like we've had a couple times this year. And actually, I think all of these times are against Chris Tillman, where you want to make sure you have at least one or two, if not more, Red Sox hitters in every lineup. So I may stack some other teams, but I'm going to have Red Sox as plugs even in those stacks. I think uh, this is this is such a good spot for them. They're Minus 210 favorites. The over-under for this game is 10 runs. Uh, really high expected output. I mean, this is almost as many implied runs as you see in, like, regular Coors games. And it's in a pitcher's park. And it's because the pitcher is so bad. Um, so, yeah, definitely Red Sox number one. But I don't know if I want five Red Sox in literally every single lineup. Okay. So, I personally only want to rush the Red Sox. But which other offenses were you looking at then? Um, so I think the Astros could do really well against Cole Hamels. Uh, he is pretty bad at this point in his career. He's throwing even slower this year, and he's had to use his cutter more because his fastball just doesn't get anyone out. He had 11 strikeouts in his first start of the season, but then he got lit up by the Blue Jays in the second start. Um, I don't think we're going to see much positive production from Cole Hamels this season, and the Astros are going to have less ownership than the Red Sox for sure. Cole Hamels has much more name value than uh, Chris Tillman does. And if there's any team that's even in the same neighborhood as the Red Sox for upside, I think it is the Astros. They are a little expensive, so, I mean, I definitely prefer Boston. But Altuve Correa and Springer, all around 5000 each, I mean, it's not it's not crazy pricing. Like, I think they're cheap enough where, at the very least, I want them as plugs quite a bit. Um, and just for positional fit, the Red Sox don't really have a second baseman to use. So I'm going to have a lot of Jose Altuve. Um, Xander Bogarts is out right now. Is that is that what's going on? What what happened to Bogarts? Because he hasn't been in the lineup the last couple of days. Yeah, he's on the DL. He hurt his uh, he hurt his knee. So if we're going with cheaper pitching, I think like I'm going to be looking to fit Altuve and Correa and potentially Springer in a bunch of these Red Sox stacks. But I do think I would go the other way too, where I go with five Astros and a few Red Sox's plugs in the Astros stacks because there's a lot of upside for Houston too. Um, the Rangers don't have a particularly good bullpen, so if they get Hamels out of the game, um, it's even more upside. The Red Sox have the same thing, though. The Orioles' bullpen is bad also. Um, so both teams have huge amounts of upside. Kind of hard to say which team has more. I think it is Boston, but uh, both teams should do well. So Houston is definitely in the conversation for me. I think they're a pretty distant number two choice, though. But I, I do want a lot of exposure to them. Um, and then what do you think of the Yankees in Detroit against Mike Fires? I mean, that's as home run prone of a pitcher as there is. And Stanton and Judge are low 5,000s. Gary Sanchez, 4,400. I mean, those are pretty reasonable prices. And I think you can justify using the Yankees on almost any slate. But Fires is a pretty good matchup for them. And the Tigers have a very bad bullpen also. Yeah, so one thing of note is that Fires was really, really bad in the first half of last year, and it was actually kind of decent in the second half, if I remember correctly, so I'm going to bring his numbers up. Uh, I wouldn't make – I'm not making any lineups without Red Sox tomorrow, but I would be fine with using five Red Sox and three Yankees or four Red Sox and four Yankees because I do think that the output 
for the Yankees is also very high. I'm just looking for the second half numbers for fires. Um, Okay, that's why I'm looking at the 2018 stats. So there is no second half numbers for Mike Fires. We have not gotten there yet. There aren't really any first half numbers for him either. No, not a lot of numbers at all. So my memory has failed me because he was terrible in the first half and the second half of the season. Uh, either either way, though, I I prefer the Red Sox. I think the Yankees are certainly fine to roster. Um, I think maybe that there's a ch- if there's the opportunity for if you roster Velasquez and Rodriguez together, since neither of them are that expensive, I think that you could probably go four Red Sox and four Yankees and draft Kings lineups together, and that's a pretty good lineup build in my in my opinion. Yeah, and the only lineups that I'll have where I don't really include Red Sox would be something like five Yankees, three Astros, or four and four, or five and three the other way. I think it is worth doing that at least in a couple lineups because there's so much upside for both the Yankees and for the Astros. And I mean, the Red Sox could just knock Chris Tillman out of the game so early and not score that many points doing it where it's just like a bunch of walks and I don't know. Maybe they just don't hit any home runs against him, which is pretty unlikely. But I do want to at least have some lineups where it's um, predominantly New York and Houston, even if you know you have like one Red Sox hitter mixed in there. Um, there are cheaper offenses that are worth considering for sure. Like there are definitely other teams in good spots. Um, the Nationals are against Kyle Freeland at home. I mean, that's a good spot. But it's so hard to move off of the teams with this much upside and this much expected output. Like I just don't, I don't see how you can rationalize using a cheaper offense because it might be contrarian, but pretty much everything is going to be contrarian on this slate. All right. Do you have any other, any other thoughts for Friday night? I'm just going to, well, don't uh, walk under any ladders or let black cats near you or whatever the Friday the 13th things are. Right. And it's 13 games on the 13th. So it's even more bad luck. Um, but I'm just going to I'm gonna throw out just a couple more team names. We don't really need to talk about them unless you want to. But teams that have upside also, I think Brewers against Steven Matz, maybe just for plugs, they have some cheap guys. Uh, the Royals against Heaney, if Heaney's going to be popular after Tropiano was so good. And I think I would want to use the Twins against Ronaldo Lopez, who I, I don't buy him being good at all. But that game looks like a potential rainout. I think it's you, you had said it's supposed to snow there. Um, but... The opening line for that game is Twins minus 230. Uh, Vegas is pricing Lopez to be bad, and I think he is bad. So I guess keep an eye on the weather in Minnesota. There's 80% chance of snow. I don't think that game's being played. Yeah, I don't think so either. If it does, though, I do like the Twins if it plays. Uh, But yeah, probably don't have to worry about that, and I think that wraps it up. Okay, so that does it for this week's podcast. We'll be back on Monday night. You can follow me on Twitter, GRNBirdDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense.